0: Hey, we are back in the football shed. Uh, my name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Good evening.
1: Just I'm just, um, <laughs> lining up with the microphone. Just doing some hand signals. Am just still landing on a plane? We've oh, got a real squeaky chair, Roger. Is that better? Am I? Yeah. There we go. You're in.
0: Yeah. Um, welcome to the football shed, everyone. We are your weekly podcast by three English blokes that live here in Melbourne. Uh, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. If you enjoy it, give us a review, subscribe and tell your mates about it. Um, if you want to get in contact, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed. And you can find us on the internet on our fancy website, footballshed.com. Um, and every week we start with a question. And now this week's question has to be about England. So, uh, Jaden Sancho... And Callum Hudson-Odoi were on the pitch together against Czech Republic in the first game England played. What year was the last time England had two 18-year-olds on the pitch in a competitive match at the same time? I think it was 1982. 1982 is not the correct answer. Roger Gibbs, what would you think?
1: I think I think (laughs) Michael Owen got a cap when he was 18, but there wouldn't have been anyone else playing when when they were 18. I'm going to go longer ago. I'm going to go 72. Well, Jeff was 101
0: years out. It was 1881.
1: Wow! Whoa! Puts in perspective. Yeah.
0: Not since 1881 has there been two (coughs) 18-year-olds on the pitch in a competitive match for England. Wow. How good is that? That's It's incredible. Um, they are
2: both absolutely worthy of playing for England.
0: <laughs> they are. They were really, really good. That no, no no, no, no.
2: I'm talking about the ones in 1882, of course. 1881.
0: Oh, sorry. 1881. <laughs> Did you look up what their names were? I didn't, no. Sorry, I'll uh, I'll come back. I'll fact check for next week <laughs> yeah, so it's not fake news. It, it, interestingly,
2: one of them, and I can't remember his name, so this is really poor, one of them died at the age of 28. That is a fact. Yeah, I knew yeah, that. That's an interesting. What, from 1881. Yeah, the bloke I can't remember. Yeah, from 1881 died ten years later. Well, if you, know well why, but... you
0: know half the answer. Why did you and, get the answer And right? to be
1: fair, the well, um, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, uh, what were the average age of being back then? Probably about forty-five. I mean, mm. age of death. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, yeah, they all got lead poisoning, didn't they? All yeah. sucking, So twenty-eight a is probably not doing too bad. Yeah, all worked on the boats and died wearing chainmail. Down
1: the mine. Down the mine. Yeah. Chainmail.
2: Did they have? Like not on a boat though. No. They, 18, they... 1882 were they still? No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. A little bit out. It wasn't Game of Thrones. Were there dragons? <laughs> were, there,
0: were, there, were there
2: dragons and swords? Um, no, don't think so. Merlin. Um... <laughs> he was knocking about, wasn't he?
0: Well, they, they... he was magical. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but England played very well this week. Was a wizard? Was um... a wizard with a ball, Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, we rog, won. I feel like you have uh, fallen in love with Gareth Southgate over the last week, so I feel like you need to express how you have fallen in love with Gareth I, Southgate. I've
1: fallen in love all over again, because <laughs> uh, there was a lot of love for him at the World Cup. Um, yeah, I, I almost feel like I need to apologise to Gareth. That I and he definitely listens. That I doubted him in the first place because I did doubt him. I called mm. him a yes man. Jeff mm. called him a laxative-inducing chocolate bar. <laughs> um, I. This is all recorded. it's I true. Thought that you know his coaching was limited and he wasn't. You know it was an easy option for fa the fa. Um, but I was wrong, mm. and I'm so glad that I was wrong. And and I without wanting to get carried away because we, we've talked about this all week and there's been a lot of false thorns in English football for it, as long as I've been alive um, and a lot longer than that but I genuinely feel like the like the the cloud has lifted from the England football team. It's like genuinely enjoyable to watch them. The, and like, the, the players, there's not this, you don't feel there's this weight of expectation that there has been for the, the previous generations and they kind of feel like, you know, you're excited about someone one week, like this week we had Sancho um, and then followed very quickly by Hudson Odoi yeah. and then Rashford's not even playing who yeah. we've all been Declan really excited Rice about. Had his debut and and Declan and... Rice had his debut. So there's all, and I feel like Previously, it's all been, like, so much pressure and then on a particular player to come through. And, yeah. um, well, when it was a golden generation, I, I, I don't know what's changed, but I think you have to credit the manager with creating that atmosphere. You probably have to give the FA some credit in terms of um, implementing a system that is allowing these younger players to come through. But I think part of it is just... Um, I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent here, but it's, I think it's Southgate the man as well that is yep. um, is responsible for this. On um, that,
0: whilst you're looking at what you're going to yeah. talk about, there, there was, in the Montenegro game, <coughs> there was alleged racist abuse in the crowd and stuff. And it's terrible and... We obviously don't want to hear it, and it's gross, and it doesn't belong anywhere in football. But the way Gareth Southgate has handled himself in that scenario is one of those things about how he is as a man. He's been mature about it. He's also come out and gone, I'm a middle-aged white man. I'm not the voice to listen to on this, and this is wrong. And I just think he's... I was actually
1: going to read out his quote for yeah, that exact on. thing. So yeah. I think it's like these human sides. So this is just a snippet from what he said. But he said, I'm sitting here trying to find the right balance of my disgust and recognising the differing views of my players um, in terms of experiences of the past. This is in terms of whether they walk off the pitch or not, to give it some context. My role is to support, protect my players first and foremost, to speak in the position I am in the right way. Beyond that, taking the players off is something I'll have to consider in the future. I have to say it wasn't something that came to my mind at the time. I'd want to have a long discussion with the players about it to make sure it was something they wanted to do. Um... It's just a sad evening. Should I have done more? In the end, I think I tried to protect my players. I'm not an authority on the subject. I'm a middle-aged white guy speaking about racism. I'm just finding it really hard, difficult subject to broach. I want my players to enjoy playing football and not be scarred by the experiences.
0: And how honest is that? He's I'm going, happy. I'm finding this really hard. I don't know what to say or how to say it. And he could have just brushed it under the carpet and gone, oh, I didn't hear anything or I didn't Let see it. Let you anything. wait for do it. Yeah, it's nothing. But he's come out and gone, honestly... I'm trying to lead this group of young men and I'm trying to be honest with them, but I also don't have all the answers.
1: And you f- like he was genuinely emotional after yeah. the game. And I think it wasn't only the disgust at the racism, um, which it is disgusting and it, there, there should be more done to get rid of it. Um, but also that it took away from his excitement of, and you know someone like Hudson Odoi is having his debut. And... Um, Declan Rice, who's having yeah. his debut, should be able to focus on the fact that they're playing for their country, it's their first game, and isn't that ama- an amazing experience? Instead, Hudson Odoi is having to pick up a lighter from the pitch that's been thrown at Raheem Sterling after his goal, walk over to Sterling and then hear monkey chants. yeah, And that's going to be his overriding memory, potentially, of his first game of football. Yeah, but I, So the, I think his reaction to that was brilliant, and the other one was the Declan Rice thing in terms of... Um, some scumbag journalist. I don't know what <laughs> found a tweet, newspaper outlet they worked for, yep. but went trawling through the Twitter archives. It for might be your from, mate Jeff. What's his name? Oh, that, yeah. that the guy from the Sun who yeah. doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. Carl. Yeah. Then it was old oh, mate Carl. But uh, you know, a, a, a rather naive tweet that Declan Rice put out when he was 15 years old. Yep. Now I thought Southgate's reaction to this was brilliant as well. What because, was the tweet, Rog? um it was in support of um a particular uh organization in
0: ireland Island. yeah he was kind of he was saying something about a pro ira type yeah. thing um but he didn't really know what he was saying It's was a, it was a phrase so glad up, up the IRA. what i said when i was 15 cannot
2: be trawled oh yeah. god but that's what i, mean, and that, yeah, is, I
1: that is what southgate he came out and said he said look now you know, it probably doesn't reflect his views at all. Uh, he was 15 at the time. We've all done some really stupid things when we were 15. Let's move on. And I was, I just thought, I just think those human touches, particularly when we've got a, a young squad, make all the difference. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love the fact that we're playing good football um, and we have got all these young mm. players coming through. It's making me really excited. But it's almost more of these sort of the human aspect, and pricks. that he's a likeable guy and that they're a likeable team that makes me more excited
2: okay right I agree that England are great mm-hmm. so my, my fundamental point is that I, when you say credit has to go at the FA you, fair enough you're right I also think that um, a little bit not the, much, not much. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the credit and, and the, the evolution of these England players is a result of the best coaches in the world working with them every single week. So if you have Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, even Declan Rice plays under the Waterman, doesn't he? Yeah. Pellegrino, who's who's, yeah. who's exceptional. If these players are playing under these these, they are the best coaches in the world. What Southgate has to do is just make them feel loved. He doesn't actually have to come in and coach these players. Yep. He has to explain to them in a way that they understand and are familiar with their, their role in the team. He has to make them feel like they are welcome, they're accepted, mistakes are okay, they're inspired, empowered, all of these soft skills... Southgate has to do to them as a group and as a unit. But Pep Guardiola is the one making Sterling amazing at football. We can't say that's Southgate. What we can say is Southgate is allowing him to express himself on in the international stage, which is what England players of the past weren't able to do very well. Yeah. And also, from, from Southgate's perspective, he is not his talent pool is not restricted to crouching Heskey up front. <laughs> like it, it, It's very different yeah. what he has to play with. And that is a reflection of football in England. But that's also, not a reflection of it. Over. But that's
1: what I'm saying. I think that's where you have to give the FA some credit in that there has been, mm. over time, some serious changes made to you know, youth But Southgate
0: that... picks Hudson O'Doy, who's never, ever started a Premier League game, yep. ever. So that takes some gumption to go, yeah, I'm going to pick him. I've got faith in him. But it also is about that whole ethic of place the under 18s, places the under 19s, over 21s. So, uh, oh, oh. Big devil's advocate here for a second. So there's a lot of um, uh, people questioning
2: that decision. Mm. People saying that, you know, what a disgrace. He's playing, like, what is England? England worse than Chelsea? What's going on? Well, I mean, let's look at this in another way. You'd say that um, the Montenegro are probably worse than some Premier League sides. In yes. fact, Most. probably the majority of Premier yeah. League sides. So if you're going to blood in a player, you blood them in against, in the FA Cup, let's say. So if England mm. are going to blood in a player, they'll blood them in the version of the FA Cup. Now, England also don't have another friendly for a year. Mm. So over 12 months will the next friendly. So yes, this is a competitive game, but the next set of games, they're a semi-final and a final.
3: Yeah,
2: If you're going to play this kid, start this kid, give this kid minutes, what better opportunity? Yes, it's a qualifier, but the landscape is different to the way it used to be
1: I think the only thing I'd say on the coaching and I think that there is some naivety in Gareth Southgate's coaching I I think we should have beaten Croatia at the World Cup I was very happy with where we got to in the World Cup and we went in with no expectations but I think that having got there yeah you said they were going to win I know (laughs) Uh, uh, Jeff putting his hand up but I, I think that having got there we should have won I think there was some tactical naivety with how we played against Croatia but I think the biggest thing for me is that England have improved fairly dramatically as a footballing side since the World Cup. You know, yeah. there's no resting on their laurels. There's introduced more new players. I think. I mean, I would go so far as to say that there's probably only France at the moment in Europe. That That I would potentially put ahead of England. And against
0: Montenegro, England go a goal down in a horrible place to play football, in a stadium where there's stuff going on in the crowd or whatever, and they just did not panic. Like old school England would have just gone, oh no, put on Peter Crouch, lump it up to him, what do we do? Scrape a draw. Um, We've never won there before. Um, and there was no panic whatsoever, and they just carried on playing exactly the same. And I think they learned a lot from that Croatia semi final where they did panic. Yeah. And Southgate learned a lot then as well and just went, no, just don't worry about it. And again, to your point, Jeff, the coaches that they all play under, again, are people that go, don't panic, just keep stick to your guns, play football. And it worked. Now, and-
2: whilst we're, we're soul searching, and you, Rog, said that uh, you were wrong about Gareth Southgate. Three weeks ago on this on this very same media podcast. <laughs> was it three weeks or two weeks ago? I really ragged on Ross Barkley. Oh, it was last yeah. week, wasn't it? Was, was it, it last yeah, week? Maybe <laughs> last week? <laughs> it's been a long week. It has been a long <laughs> week. Because that boy, it, over the two games, in my opinion, was England's man of the match. He was brilliant. And, yeah. and you could only ever say that Sterling was better than him because of the goal return. However, that it's so rare to see a player. Change direction like Ross Barkley. He receives the ball in deep line midfield role. Receives the ball with his back towards the goal that he should be aiming at, yeah. and he turns in his first touch every time. Manages to carry the ball twenty yards with no challenge at all, and it's because of the first turn he's had. So when you play a, uh, if you look at the tactics England plays, so they they often go back to a source. So so when they play out from the back, they go to a Declan Rice or, or they go to a. Uh, whoever the bloke is from Liverpool what's his name Henderson Henderson. Yeah. sorry it's been a long week <laughs> uh, and, and, but they go back to the source if the ball isn't on Yeah. so if they're under pressure they go back and they sometimes go back to Pickford and then spray out left spray out wide the full backs run on but that's how they play out from the back
1: uh, first well, goal against Czech Republic exactly like that prime example yeah. 25 yeah. passes or whatever and England and never score. always right. going back to the source so
2: they'll never put themselves under pressure they'll go back to where the ball came apart from Ross Barkley. Mm. Ross Barkley, in his first touch, he turns. So by using Ross Barkley in that position, it means that when you're playing against England, you assume that if you put them under pressure, they're going to go back to the source because that's what they've been doing the whole time. Ross Barkley gets the ball and he just does a 180 in his first touch and walks with it. Yep. And by doing that, he absolutely changes the pace of the game. It's, it's such an amazingly uh, effective tool when
0: you know how England play. On that, Southgate brought Barkley on for Eric Dyer when he went off uh, in the first game. Well, the, yeah, after yeah. about 20 minutes. And the easy change would be put Declan Rice on. Mm. Like defensive midfielder for a defensive midfielder. But he changed it up and went, no, I'm going to go attacking. And that changed the way the game was going. It was nil-nil at the time. There wasn't like huge amounts happening. And Barkley came on and changed the game, which is brilliant. So kudos to Southgate. But do you reckon Sarri at Chelsea is not using Barkley in the right way? Do you reckon Barkley's getting stunted by the fact that he has to pay sideways yeah.
2: to Jorginho? And, and no one carries the ball at Chelsea. They pass the
1: ball. Apart from Hazard. Apart from
2: apart from Hazard, who's been given a, a, either a green right or is belligerent enough to do what he wants. But Barkley, when he plays for England, does not. And you can see the difference. So when he And also, I gave Ross Barkley a kicking, but he was playing back at Goodison Park. And we we looked when we discussed Jordan Pickford playing back... In you know the the north east against against yeah. Newcastle, you that stuff does get to you. And he was getting a kicking from the crowd. So maybe he was just having the worst game of the season. And I happened to be watching it, but watching that in the England side was was brilliant. And credit to him because, and for Gareth Southgate, you're right choosing that type of player and then ha- giving him the ability to to as a single player in the middle of the park play a different tactical role to the rest of the side. Brilliant. And that's that. Sorry, the last thing yeah. is that third Sterling goal, where, yeah. where the, the deflection, you yeah. know, I mean, it was a great goal, deflected, whatever. Yeah. It was Ross Barkley who carried that ball about 60 metres just by skipping forwards, of having done one of those turns right yeah. down the
0: middle of the park. Brilliant. Okay, so England are amazing. What is expected at Euro 2020? Like, is it a disappointment if we don't win it? So now, as the expectation levels, like we went into the World Cup going oh, we'll see how we go. And it it was really refreshing and enjoyable to watch in the knowledge of, like, oh, we'll see how we go. And then we got further than we expected. That was nice. Do we go into Euro 2020 now going, if we don't make it to the semi-final, we've disappointed? Is there going to be a different tweak of pressure now that we go, some, come next summer, when that happens, Oh,
1: suddenly the whole media expecting us to win it? I'd... I'd- I don't know. I mean not necessarily because I think it's still quite the nucleus of the squad is still pretty young, but I don't think they'll be scared of anyone. I, and I don't think they should have any reason to be scared of anyone. I think they should go there feeling like they are a genuine chance to be a contender. Like you'd, I'd put them in that, you know, top 5 or 6 teams that yeah. that could be challenging. I mean obviously like we talk about France and you know all your usual suspects will Maybe be there, Spain's but, and stuff. Yeah, Belgium. but there's no reason um to think they can't do it. With that in mind as well, one look at it in a slightly different way, which gave Southgate credit for hudson O'Doy. So we've got, to me, we've got Rashford, hudson O'Doy, Sancho um, and Sterling, mm. who were kind of all similar-ish players. Like, I know they've got differences, but you'd imagine you're only ever going to play two of them yeah. at a time, unless you're playing a false nine. Um, and perhaps what we lack is a, a playmaker... Which is why Barkley is important, and the frustration with Barkley, and that he's an enigma. So he's shit one week for Chelsea, then he's amazing for England. Yeah. And it's been like that through his whole career. So perhaps we lack that, you know, where someone like David Silver or De Bruyne, yeah, you know what you're going to get every week. My one thing with this was we gave Hudson Odoy a, a game without playing for Chelsea. Chelsea. Would this have been a good opportunity to give Phil Foden a game? I think the theory could be that
0: player with Phil Foden, who played very well for the under twenty ones. He's Hudson Odoi started a fair amount of games in the Europa League, yeah. Whereas Foden hasn't started lots of games with Man City, and I think also they're looking. He's a year younger, so he's only seventeen, and they got the under twenty one Euros or World Cup or whatever tournament in this summer. And I think they want Foden to go through that tournament. I think they've decided you're in the under-21s for this tournament. Get tournament experience. Be the main man. Yeah. Um. Next season, I can see by the 2020s that playmaker, that person who makes things happen, is Phil Foden.
1: But what about Madison? We've got players yeah, in, in that players role who can jump in and do that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he was probably our weakest player. But he's only just coming, um, back, but from he's from coming from back from injury. And he's yeah, under 22. Guess... So, so
2: yeah. to go back to your question, John, what should be expected? Pardon me if this sounds facetious, but I don't care. And, and, <laughs> no, I don't care because this team isn't going anywhere. We're not looking at a golden generation that are all 27 years old and we go, if we don't perform now, we have to start again. The opposite,
1: which is how it felt like. like it's how it felt for the last years. like forty yeah. years. Yeah.
2: It, it's been you know you're you're finding these players at their peak and you're trying to mould them and blend them and you know that if they don't, oh you know Lampard will be thirty one next tournament. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, that's <laughs> the way you were talking. Whereas yeah. now it doesn't matter. These kids are eighteen. Yeah. Oh my god, next World Cup they'll be twenty two. Holy I shit! I
1: completely agree, and that's what I feel like. Has that's the change? Mm. Like that's I feel like there's been a shift in. in In terms of how I, how I look at England and like (coughs) optimism, rather than just you know feeling like oh god, this is our last opportunity. It's not going anywhere. These kids
0: are only going to grow up on uh, uh, on the young players and kind of similar point, but kind of different. It came out this week that of the seventy-five players that England have their eyes on at under-15 level, fifty of them have dual nationality, so two-thirds of them have Dual nationality, so there's the whole Declan right. Rice thing about him yeah. announcing to play for, and it's going to become more and more of a thing. Um, just because the world's got smaller, and we all don't live in England, we all live in Australia, um, and the world's changed. But do you think that's a positive thing in the long run, or are we going to end up losing players? Zaha, or whatever, goes and plays for um, the Ivory Coast, or is it like I? I have zero problem with dual nationality and I think it's good that people can play in two places and do those things. But I have a horrible feeling about white old man England that in about five years' time we're going to have a real problem because we're going to have all these people that have played. A few friendlies here, a few friendlies there and then they're coming to play for England.
2: Now, tell me Zaha would get in the team over our 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 18-year-old wonder kids. He just wouldn't. And he wouldn't because he's... How old Zaha? 28? Yeah, it must be now. I I think we we looked at players that we lost with the same vein. We looked at players like Victor Moses, played players like Zaha, and we go, oh, you know, if only they chose England, wouldn't that be great? But actually, they were part of that older in their prime. Wouldn't they make a difference now, as opposed to the future of football?
0: But then I think we've also got to be careful not to be too arrogant, English, and go, oh, they're all going to want to play for us. Like it's easy to fall into that trap of Declan Rice wants to play for England rather than Ireland because you're more likely to get into tournaments and get far in tournaments. And so what Southgate's created in this kind of youth players coming through, I think it's important that that carries on. But also in the Premier League, it's important that that carries on, because if these players are coming through and they're not getting games, we're going to see more people go to Germany, like Jadon Sancho and stuff. Um, So I think there needs to be a little bit of... We need to be careful in the Premier League that we're not too arrogant, that we don't play our young players... And also that we don't just get smug with the fact that, oh, we're really good now and we don't keep bringing those players through in the Englands. But the school.
1: Premier League's already done that, I'd argue. Like, I, we, the Premier League, because of how it functions on its own, you know, and it's an entity unto itself, like, it, do, it doesn't re- report to anybody. Yeah. And in, young players don't get a chance. I mean, that, and that's why I think that this, it is so important to have this continuity between, uh, you know, youth Teams at international level and, and the national team because these these guys know that they are still a chance of playing for their country even if they're not getting regular football because they've proved it to the people that are controlling the national team through the youth levels and, and that, if, if they disappear to another country there's still going to be a chance to get a game. But, so. so,
2: right, let me just, um, I'm going to digress a little bit and talk, yeah. talk about the the Premier League in this context. So, it, English players are... Sold at a premium, mm. is that right? In yes. the Premier League, we, yes. we agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. English their players are or from the However, Championship or, to them. Yeah. yeah, but then they're yeah. still sold at a premium. They still yeah. spend twenty million pounds on a Championship player who's unproven, so to speak, yeah. or undervalued, shall yeah. we say, within the transfer market because we undervalue the Championship yeah. as a tournament. So teams, in order to ha- fulfil their English quota, which is a, which is a reality in the Premier mm. League, they are best investing in a system that produces English players instead of. English players now because of that I just like Phil Foden English players will play more at the top teams if they are good enough now if teams have recognized like they have recently and I say recently I mean in the last five six years that the best way to have, to fulfill your English quota is to actually train players to be good enough then those English players will progress to the first team so we talk about English players not getting a chance in the top teams and I think if we were sitting here four years ago five years ago we would have agreed that that was the case we would have looked at the top four and gone name me an English, Englishman Michael Carrick Wayne Rooney that's it yeah. Frank Lampard the, you know, that's the thing it was, uh, it was slim picking. Yeah. now we're looking at the Marcus Rashfords, the Raheem Sterlings, the Deli Allies, mm-hmm. the Harry Canes. We're looking at players who are the top of their game. They're not the Theo Walcotts who, who yeah. every now and then get in the Arsenal side. Yeah. They're players who are either at the top of their game at those sides, or they're the young players who are getting
1: game time. And but uh, if so, you look at the on a percent percentage basis, is as bad as it's ever been.
2: I agree, but for the top teams, I would say that there is a better mix. We used to see the percentage is skewed by clubs like Aston Villa. Aston Villa was was sitting on eight, mm. English, eight, eight Englishmen a who first you know. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. But I, I would hazard, and without without doing the, the maths off yeah. the top of my head, the top six play more Englishmen than they did five years ago.
0: That, yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think the only problem is the, the actual... Pathway because we talk about Hudson O'Doy. Like, if you're Hudson O'Doy, you have to leave. Like, it just makes no sense to sit at Chelsea and not get a game. And I don't think he'll play for Chelsea at the weekend, and I don't think he could be on the bench or whatever. But if you're Anyone other than Sari, it's kind of madness to just not pick this guy who's young mm. and brilliant. Keep picking and his, loft his uh, Cheek's not getting picked. Um, and we, those we, players need to be playing football. And we, I we completely agree. Really, but we're seeing a reverse mm.
2: problem. We're not seeing a problem at the top of the Premier League anymore because they are investing in their youth setup so much <clears> that English players are good enough at that level. Mm. We're seeing a problem in the next level. We're seeing the wolves of this world having enough money to do what the top six did. Yeah. eight years ago so they have got enough money to buy the best Spanish kids they've got enough yeah. money to buy the best Portuguese kids which means that they're not investing their money into their youth setup yeah. to bring through the best English players who could play for Wolves it's, it's in Wolves' best interest to finish as high at the Premier League as they can and they've got money to do it they're not investing in the next ten years of Wolverhampton Wanderers although Wolves have got Morgan Gibbs-White who's one of my favourites but Wolves also are Portuguese Yes l- 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 Like they are what yeah. Arsenal were 10 years ago For the, for the French team
1: but, Ar- yeah. but I mean You know Arsenal don't have an English player In their team I think
2: Arsenal are uh, Run too much like a business To To fulfil the same quota That, that I, I just Worked through
1: yeah, I just I think if you actually if you broke it down to the raw numbers, I think you'd find that things have changed very little in five years. we just um, the ones that are a, playing the are ones better. that are playing are, are better. But, but well, that's that's, that, that's essentially that's the point,
2: isn't it? it they're they're better, which means they're good enough to play at the top. They're good enough to play under those those coaches, which means the England
0: national team will be better. In conclusion, England are going to win the World Cup.
1: <laughs> well, uh, what you, mm. what your question about the Euros? Uh, I think we have to make to a final the Yeah, you think we have to make the final I think, oh John no, because, you're killing me you're no, killing me no the reason I say
0: it is because we play two group games at Wembley um, one away from home we play round of 16 in the quarterfinals away from home semi-final final at Wembley so four games out of the seven you have to play are playing at home at Wembley they are good enough to get through the round of 16 quarterfinals and at home at home advantage I think they can beat anyone so I think we should expect getting to the final. Wow, interesting! Well,
1: I think the other thing with it as well that perhaps we take for granted is that these kids have actually won stuff. Mm. Like they're, they're used to it. You know, they're used to winning. Like they're—I mean—and you know, like you said, Jeff, with the coaches, like Raheem Sterling is used to being one of the best players in the Premier League and scoring goals for fun at Man City, and now he's brought that confidence and that form to England why not but you know at youth level these guys are winning World Cups so yeah, why not Um, someone who's
0: not going to win the World Cup um, is Scotland going out (laughs) on a limb here (laughs) (laughs) Um, friend of the said Shed Simon will be uh, underwhelmed but Scotland lost 3-0 to Kazakhstan Kazakhstan have won six games ever in their life and against like teams like San Marino and Marino Andorra, Malta, yeah. yeah and now they beat Scotland 3-0 so Scotland are in a mess and they did manage a 2-0 win over San Marino um, they laboured to a 2-0 win yes. over San Marino yeah and they got booed off as well wow at home to San Marino got booed off so that's pretty underwhelming
1: Alex McLeish
0: yeah no, it's, a, it's the most not underwhelming not a popular like, choice like, should we would, say yeah like, it's the most uninspiring they've done the opposite to England. It's basically, they've got they've hired their Sam Allardyce and kept him. And that's <laughs> what's happened. And it's the worst. And
1: they have got a few good young players coming through. You look at guys like Tierney and obviously Robertson. Yeah. Um, not, not young, but he's doing but really what, well. But
0: Tierney and Robertson, are their best two players, both play left back. Yeah. yeah. so it's That's the, an issue. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might have two messies, but they both play in the same position. Yeah. So if you've got no other players... Well, I'd take two messies though, I think. Yeah, I well, you'd be right? <laughs> Um, Wales scraped a 1-0 win, Daniel James, uh, friend of the pod, maybe we should put him on the wall. Maybe. I think he probably deserves I think the wall Daniel, after this yeah.
1: international break. Uh, yeah. It was a massive win too because uh Croatia lost uh to Hungary. 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 Um went like Hungary, Hungary crap. Hungary crap. Yeah. yeah. Um so that becomes a really big result for them in the context of the group. But yeah, Daniel James is—it was a good goal too, and he's—I'm uh, just looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League next year. And he—is he a left winger? Um, I think he's one—he's right-footed, So he, plays, he on the, plays on the left and yeah. cuts in. But he—he's so quick.
0: I just love the fact that his coach for Wales is Ryan Giggs, and he's playing alongside Gareth Bale, like. If he turns out crap, he's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you can't get a better schooling than That's that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, bang on. Um, and, Roger wanted to mention Germany, Leroy Sane uh, had a bit of a horrible tackle. Oh,
1: just, I... It's one of those things I was just, you know, flicking through. I think it was on the news or something, and I saw it, and there's one of those tackles you do a double take. Partly because I was really surprised that the guy that tackled him was a footballer and not... <laughs> like some sort of wrestler or an <laughs> extra from Game of Thrones. So um, Milan Pavkov is his name. What? Uh I don't know whether he's been on the roids or mm. something like that. I'm not um, casting any expersions, but he is a giant of a man right. and he essentially stamped on Leroy Sané's leg. Do
0: you reckon he'll play for Burnley next year? Possibly, yeah. <laughs> it seems <laughs> Sign like him like Burnley, up. It's a Burnley-type player. Uh,
1: while we're... I, I feel like it's a bit... I'm not completely comfortable with, um, you know, uh, like talking lots about England how amazing they are and then sticking the boot into the home nations. Yeah. But I did just want to touch briefly on John Delaney. Oh, from the, Republic of Ireland? Republic of Ireland. So Republic of Ireland also not having a great time. I think Mick McCarthy is a bit of an underwhelming coach. They obviously didn't have a wonderful time with the Martin O'Neill-Roy Keane combo and they've now got um, him back to save the day. But uh, anyone who doesn't
0: know John Delaney is, he's the CEO of the irish fa not anymore well he's he was or oh, if you don't know this story
2: listen in because i hope john or rog is going to explain this better than i do but the this bloke is a salmon isn't he he is he, he is so oh, slippery
1: <laughs> and just you look at his everyone look him up and you see his face and then you hear the story and then you're like, yeah it fits yeah. he's just one of those guys but um so he was the um head of the fia yeah so the um Football Association of Ireland Um, and he's been in that post for 14 years wow now this is a pretty sweet geek he gets paid €350,000 a year it was as high as €450,000 a year and his dad used to do the same job and his dad used to do the same job and on the side he works for UEFA and gets paid money Uh, by UEFA for being a UEFA representative. So this guy's nailed it, right? Um, He basically... last decade of his
2: life has been pretty sweet.
1: Now, he got investigated previously by a commission in Ireland because of some questionable financial dealings around his role, and he basically got a free ride through court, got off scot-free and was in the same job. Now, there's been some news... um, come through again and I forget the newspaper that um, released the story in Ireland but when he heard that this story was going to come out he like was trying to jump on it straight away, get an injunction in court so that this couldn't be released. Like It just stinks. But essentially he's going to have to face some difficult questions because it's come out that he loaned his employers, so the Irish Football Association... A uh, hundred thousand euros. Now, it might be that you get your organisation loaning your an employee something, but for your an employee to loan the company money because of a very short term cash flow problem. Yeah, I heard it
2: was
0: cash flow <laughs> issues. <laughs> that just that
1: is, sounds uh, so dodgy.
0: And he gets paid three hundred and fifty thousand euros a year. Yeah, by if, the people he lent a hundred thousand euros yep. to. Yeah, and, and they it, pay his rent. yeah they pay his rent and if you win the League of Ireland like the top division in Ireland your whole team gets paid 110,000 euros so he gets three times as much as the whole team gets for winning the league and he doesn't do anything apart from get drunk there is videos of him online just being pissed as a fart he's got a new job though now doesn't he right he he has
1: uh, (laughs) whilst this is going on they've given him a new role so that he can keep his cushy job with UEFA um, so I forget the title of his new role. But it's, it's like deputy, ex- executive, executive vice yeah. president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those nonsense roles. Well, he also used to work for the Irish Olympic Committee. Oh God! And <laughs> I just saw these things, and I'm like, does this even need to go to some sort of commission or court? Yeah. Like, the, we all this know is the guiltiest man I've ever seen. <laughs> like, just but yeah, it's gross, and I think you know to have. As an Irish football fan, you mm-hmm. know, to have somebody like that, and he's been there for 14 years, and you've watched your team, you know, they've been pretty st- rubbish stagnate. the last 14 yeah, years. They've, yeah, they've, you know, there was a lot of optimism, I think, when, um, you know, when they are uh, uh, Euro, when was that no, World Cup? 98. Yeah. Uh, John Collins. Yeah. That's um, uh, Scotland. When, when were our, oh you've got to get go back to Ray Houghton Davis, yeah, yeah. it's a long time ago 94, 94 that's yeah. 25 years ago yeah. oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, anyway, let's that. just say yeah. that the last 14 years haven't been great and mm. you see that somebody getting paid that much money still in the job 14 years and you know for what like your team not progressing I think that's going to piss a lot of people off
0: yeah no it's gross um, on that happy note let's move off internationals to the Premier League the Premier League is back next week Um, there is basically eight games left eight games to go seven for some teams wow Um, next week is a bit of an odd week there's a bunch of games at the weekend and then a few games on Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday Australia time for catching up Um, it's kind of exciting there are some corkers
2: I mean Liverpool Tottenham next week is a massive game at Anfield
1: huge is it Sunday night uh, that Liverpool is
0: Spurs. Sunday night, yes. 2.30am, Monday morning. Um, are Liverpool going to win that? They have to, don't they? <laughs> well, 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 you, you all exhale, but Tottenham are paying $5. Liverpool, no. Yeah, Liverpool are paying $1.50, Tottenham are paying $5. So the bookies think Liverpool are massively favourites. They're at home. I. They're unbeaten in about 30 games at home, I think. Yeah. And Tottenham have had a bit of a sticky patch. Um. No. <laughs> but Tottenham have got their new stadium, which looks ridiculously good. Um, it's, it's not at their new stadium, but that obviously kind of is a bit of a whole load of enthusiasm. There's new stadiums open, things are happening...
1: Um, I think Liverpool will win.
0: Okay, th- let's let's go systematically, right. We got eight we got
1: mm. eight
2: games to go. Well, are you going to go through this? I'm just going I'm just going to highlight in the last in the last eight games, Liverpool of the games that I think are sticky patches. John. Yeah. Sticky patches. Spurs is a sticky patch, Chelsea is a sticky patch and Wolves are a sticky patch. Well, that's Cardiff away. All of those are at Anfield. Yeah. Now,
1: Cardiff away, Newcastle away, that's not easy. No,
2: Newcastle have already written that game off and Cardiff will be dead by then. Now, Man City, as far as their sticky patches go, they've got Spurs, they've got the derby at Old Trafford. That's it. So Liverpool have jizzed more on their bedsheets than Man City for the remainder of the season.
1: Which means
0: (laughs) what? (laughs) Who wins wins the league? Man City win the league. (laughs) (laughs) he who who jizzes most jizzes least last (laughs) less Um, but do you reckon because I think like you said they've got their big games Liverpool have got all at home whereas Man City play Man United away Man United are better than they have been um, and are going to be going for fourth Um, and Spurs when they play Man City actually play they all play each other three times in the space of four weeks because of the Champions League so they kind of keep playing each other what happens in those scenarios is you second-guess each other. It gets a bit weird because you're playing against the same team. And you're like, oh, do I try something new? or do I do the same thing? Remember three Liverpool-Arsenal games in a row. Yeah, and it just goes weird. Yeah, Spurs will win one of those three games. I don't know whether it'll be in the league or one of the Champions League legs uh, or whatever. I don't think they'll get through in the Champions League. Um, but they'll win one of those games. Mm. It could be the league game. So like, know, I
1: think it's feasible that Liverpool win all their game, all their remaining games.
0: I, I think that they that
1: the, so the, good, Man City.
2: You know, of the <laughs> of course, uh, of the sticky games, I think they'll probably beat Chelsea. I, I, I added Wolves in there because Wolves are fighting for Europe, and that for you for Wolves is massive, even though that's finishing seventh. And we view that like, oh, you know, Burnley did it. It's the Everton but, Cup,
0: Jeff. But for Wolves, that's a huge success for their first season in the Premier League. They'll want to the, win the FA Cup too, though. But the, pref- yeah, the preface on the Wolves game, it's the last game of the season. And if they've got an FA Cup final the next week after, and they've sealed down seventh or whatever, then why would they put any effort in whatsoever? So that's, when it comes to the end of the season, the last week of weekend of the season is an odd one, especially if there's things to play for. If they're in the final, you're right. Yeah. Isn't it weird that um, and I think it's it's slightly
2: it's it should be changed that we call them two legged ties. Why? 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 Because well, it's football and you you've got two legs and you play with your legs. Oh so I think it, I don't like that. <laughs> Because it's confusing. If I you're new you were to the going game, make a legitimate point. If, if <laughs> I, should, I should have realised that was too much to ask. <laughs> if you're, if you're new, sucked in, rubbish. If you're new to the game, it's confusing. You say it was the first leg. You're like, what? What do you mean? What? Leg? Um, what leg? So, which leg?
1: Going back to left football, leg or right leg? Second leg? If you have the, to the front uh, leg or the back leg, stick your neck out. Yep. Your neck. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Another part which of your anatomy. Which leg is that? Are you still you have, you were on Liverpool at the start of the year? Yeah, still gonna the Liverpool still going to win the Are you still on the Man City? Man train? City, absolutely, yeah. So if Man City have a game in hand, um,
0: yeah, and they play they play that this week against Cardiff at home. Which I mean, I'm going to say, I think they'll win.
1: It's just like I. It could literally come down. I think Man United beat Man City at Old Trafford, and Liverpool win the league. I yeah, I hope. Like, well, which what would you? Yeah, want yeah? Oh, I don't know. No, like yeah.
0: it's a clusterfuck of emotions. Um, I I just think Liverpool are going to get over the line. It has to be this year or never. So I think Liverpool. But he is Liverpool,
1: line. so they'll probably find a way to stuff it. up They're
0: going to stuff it up. You reckon? A hundred
2: percent, Man City win the league. hundred percent. Nah, there is no more percent than a hundred. Okay, who's going down? Oh, okay. So are I we mean,
0: are we going top to bottom, or should we go top four first? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I was I'm, more
1: interested
2: in relegation. I, I'm. I'm interested in relegation too because I think one of the pre-season. Man United are going to get in the top four. <laughs> one of the okay. pre-season predictions. One. Um, so if you remember last year, Burnley finished seventh, qualified for Europe. Sean Dice was basically there building statues of the bloke. Yeah. And pre-season, Roger that would be an ugly statue. It would be a horrible statue. <laughs> probably gonna Make it as the wind paper. flew by. <laughs> um, Roger, what you did at the beginning of the season, I think, was um was actually profoundly insightful, which your surprise team of the year, you went against positive results and you went, surprise, Burnley are going to be really shit. Mm. Now, looking at Burnley's last eight games, this weekend they play Wolves. They've got Bournemouth and Cardiff. Cardiff are fighting for their life, so that is a a hard game. Bournemouth, you know, they're on the beach. But after that, they've got Chelsea, City, Everton and
0: Arsenal. They're not going to win any of those, are they?
2: They are that. They have to pick up six, sorry, nine points in the next three games or they ain't getting any more points. They currently sit 17th in the Premier League, two points above Cardiff. So one of the games that they have to pick up points against is against Cardiff.
0: That's a huge game. So it? that's And that's in two weeks' time, isn't it? So we say someone gets
2: sucked in. We always say someone gets sucked in, but that is a result of the fixtures that they have before them and Burnley are screwed. I said last week I was going to give them a kicking on this week's pod and this is it they have no hope with those fixtures and what's going on around them. Okay, on that
0: though, if they're going to get um go down, they have to um Cardiff have to win at least two points more than them or three because of the goal difference. And Cardiff next two games, Chelsea away, Man City away, zero points, then they play Burnley.
2: They play Burnley, they've got Brighton, they've got Fulham, they've got Palace, they've also got Liverpool, Man United but all they need to do is better than the nine points that uh, sorry say it again if, if Cardiff beat Burnley there's only a six point shift all they've got to do is get more than six points out of those games Brighton are on the beach Crystal Palace are a non-existent whoa, team whoa, right whoa, by whoa,
0: the whoa, time whoa, you whoa, know Brighton it, are not man. on the beach Brighton, Brighton are, Brighton are really right in, thick in this. Yeah, I think
1: Brighton, Brighton. are who I might, who I think, well, yeah. I know. And I think. Brighton play Southampton this week. Which
0: I, for me, yeah. that that Brighton Southampton game this week is the biggest game of the weekend because Southampton have got a little bit of form. Brighton have won the last couple. They found a little bit of form, and they've they've plummeted from being comfortable mid table earlier in the season. Brighton at home. a better than they are away from home but they play Southampton this weekend and if they don't win that and Southampton do then it is their Brighton are really stuck I think
1: Southampton are going to win it I actually think Southampton will go there and win that game they found a bit of um, form under Alpine Klopp and they've actually been playing better away Um, and I think Brighton we saw Brighton beat Crystal Palace, yeah, in um, that weird game weird where game not where, scored an amazing goal, yeah, but Palace were awful more than Brighton being good, and I just think they're they're looking over their shoulder. And if you like, you say if they lose against Southampton, it's so close. I, th- I think they will.
2: I think Southampton are safe. Southampton in their next eight games, the only teams that are going to cause them too many problems are Wolves and Liverpool. They've got, they've got West Ham, they've got Huddersfield, they've got Bournemouth, they've got Watford, they've got Newcastle, they've got it's Brighton. What? They've got games that they're the, that's the best run-in you could hope for in their position. And everyone they're up against has a far worse run-in.
0: I was going to say, I think Southampton have the best run-in um, and some winnable games. I think Palace will be fine just because Bachelorette has arrived and so they've got a striker. And so they've got some games that they can win some points. They've got Huddersfield, which is a guarantee three points. Um, so I, I I do think it's out of Burnley, Cardiff, Brighton.
1: I worry for Cardiff too because they've like they've been good at home all year, but we know they were always going to be you know fighting for it, and they uh, they're a limited team. There's all the stuff going on in the background with Salah. It's now I don't know if you saw it's gone to court. Yeah, because um, they're now saying the potential
0: is are null. Yeah, man. so the it's like getting married on a drunk night and then it wasn't. Again. Yeah, it's
1: a bit, it's gross, but I. So what you're saying, Jeff, is essentially on Sunday 14th of April, Burnley-Cardiff, we will know whoever wins that game or whoever loses is going to go down.
0: Because Burnley don't have another winnable game for Burnley after that. On that point, though, Cardiff's two biggest games, they play Burnley and Brighton two weekend, well, three days apart, 14th to 17th (sighs) of April. That's brutal, yeah. Both of them are away from home. If you had Cardiff at home for both of those, you go, they could win both of those, get six points. Away from home, I really don't give them a chance. Their away form
1: has been abysmal. Yeah,
0: I
2: mean, I am going to put my neck out for both legs right now, and and say that Cardiff is safe and City are going to win the league.
0: Okay, so who's
1: going down. Burnley,
2: Burnley, Burnley, Fulham, Huddersfield.
0: I'm going to put my neck out and say Brighton are
1: going down. Rog? Yeah, I think Brighton. There's, I think they'll get
2: sucked in. What have we learned over the last four years of recording this podcast? Listen to me. I'm usually right <laughs>
0: <laughs> like your bet on
2: San Marino last week no but that was where I was correct that the odds were incorrect <laughs> I, uh, no okay. I just
1: I just think it would be too predictable With I, I don't know I just there's always someone that gets sucked in I know I keep going on about that but I that's, just that's Burnley we weren't thinking about Burnley a few weeks ago and now they're sucked in
0: um, lastly let's look at the top four um, I'm some out team there.
1: called Man United there.
0: Is- Arsenal have the easiest run in yeah Arsenal, um, Arsenal are safe in there in my opinion I think Arsenal I agree I think Arsenal are going to get the top four and I think also Spurs are going to get top four they'd be my two shouts the reason Spurs they have got two massive games against Liverpool and Man City but I think everyone's going to drop points because everyone's going to get tense and they're going to lose points various points various games Spurs because they've got the new stadium, I think it's just going to give them a bit of a push and get them across the line. So I think the top four is actually going to stay as it is, Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, Arsenal. So you
1: think United will miss out? Yeah. Wow, that's a bit and, cool. But
0: that's
2: also what I predicted at the start of the season. So I think John's right, and I think that no one gave Arsenal any credit, and and fair enough, but, but you can't fault two up front. I, I think... Um, Oh, sorry. Um, Roger's pointing at his pre. Yep, Roger, you did give Arsenal some credit. Maybe Arsenal aren't going to finish in the top three. I gave Arsenal uh, credit too,
1: <laughs> but I, I do think it's good that uh, other than Jeff including Everton in his top four calculation, which relation, will happen every year, which will happen every year. We were actually fairly close because I mean, uh, I had Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. John had Man City, Spurs, Arsenal, and it's all that's all still
2: feasible. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, I think Spurs are going to do it. Although they are knackered and then we might have a different conversation next week, but I think if Arsenal were more bang on for that position than Spurs, in my opinion, mm. but I, th- I think the top four we're looking at now is the top four we'll look at, at the end of the season. I think United yeah. will get
1: top four. I think really? They'll, yeah, I think now, having got to this point, it's Man I, United, they'll find a way. Oh, I love a
0: mid-season review. I think the olly honeymoon's <clears> over. I have a feeling that uh, Man United aren't going to be as good as they were. He been. did look
1: pretty crap against Wolves. Yeah. But I'd... do you know he's not looking crap? Paul Pogba. Yeah, looking he's looking really... really good. Yeah, he's And awesome. so I think he could potentially drive you to. Drag us through. Yeah.
0: Um, let's move on to side stories. Does anyone
1: have any side stories they want to share? I do. Um, go on then. Um, whilst we're on our pre season predictions, mm-hmm. I would just like to point out that I have one of them absolutely sewn up in the bag. Oh, well. Which well. is my flop of the year. Who was? Mohamed Elanousi for Southampton. Now, oh. <laughs> I don't know... Hasn't he been their best player? I don't know <laughs> if any of you saw some of the highlights from the international games for the weekend, but Norway played somebody. I can't remember who. Is he play for Norway? He plays for Norway. Now, in this game... It's been called the miss of the century on various uh, media outlets. It is probably one of the worst misses I've ever seen. Like from a yard out, um, completely unmarked, and he's managed to produce this brilliant like clearance where from on the goal line, where he gets his foot round it, and the ball goes sideways. But when it's easier to score
0: international form, come into whether he's flop of the year. Well, he's also well, been I, crap looking, crap of the year. I love this at the end of the season when we get to debate <laughs> us, because I,
2: I'm looking at a £60 million Riyad Mahrez, he's probably had 12 appearances. Oh,
1: well, he's been alright. Um, but yeah, you should just look up his miss, you'll see it, it is a bit special. Alright,
0: I've got um, a side story about uh, a team called Keith in oh, Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keith played a team called Fort William. At the weekend. Oh, I've been to Fort William. And Fort William are awful at the moment. It's near Ben Nevis, I think. Yeah. Um, they lost eleven nil. Keith won eleven nil. But their striker who plays for Keith is called Keith. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Keith scored five for Keith in the eleven nil win against Fort William. It's oh, Keith, is, I is love that. Keith is his surname. So on the BBC it says Keith. And then so yeah, I enjoyed that. Love well, that. that. Um, I want to revisit one of our uh, ones to watch.
2: Remember at the beginning of the year, we we had a few um, a few sheds where we were, one to watch, mm-hmm. and, we, and we picked up a few. I remember talking about uh, a young kid who plays for Everton called Ellis Sims. Yes. Who so at that point in the season has scored 16 goals in eight games. Now, I did a bit of um, homework to see how he was going this week. So, so far he's made 33 appearances, and that is for... Um, In the Under-18 Premier League, he's played in the EFL Trophy, the Youth Cup, Premier League 2, which is obviously the Mm Under-21s. So far, he has 41 goals in 33 appearances. Wow, that's pretty good. This kid looks like a mountain. Is he Is he plays up front? Plays up front. Well, yeah, no, he just scores 40, 41, 41, <laughs> 41 goals from left back, John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stupid question, fair. Um,
1: but does that mean he might not be that good? He's just bigger than the other boys? Yeah, as you say, is he 16 and they're
0: all 14? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I've got, I've got no idea. On the top I, I've only seen, uh, you know, in my digging,
2: I have saw a bit of a highlights reel. But I remember when he was 16 and 8, I was like, oh, this is mm. pretty incredible. So going back and seeing 41 and 33, mm. this kid's got something about him. Currently uh, 16 years old. And I'm about to show Rog and John a picture of him.
0: He's not 16. <laughs> wow. Is, is he the same guy that played for Milan? Who was <laughs> is he, he over Femi Martin's cousin? <laughs> he looks like a, a 35-year-old Ashley
2: Williams, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he does. So yeah. I just, you know, I ones to watch is a pretty important section of the, yeah. of the show, and it'll be interesting to see how this how this kid develops.
1: I've got one more gross
2: side
0: story. Okay, I've got one more that's, not gross. Do you want to go gross first or
1: yeah, I'll go gross first and we can end on a positive note. Did you there's some obviously some big Champions League games coming up. Yeah. Uh, did you see how much Barcelona are gonna charge Man United fans? £112 or something. £102 quid, yeah. yeah. And then Which is
2: in Aussie dollars hundred and sixty five Australian that. dollars. Two hundred and twenty. Two
1: hundred and something, yeah. For one ticket. For yeah. one ticket. And the and that's just that's the lowest price ticket. Which is nosebleed. Yeah, Barca. Yeah. Um, and so, United, to subsidise the costs, are charging um, Barcelona fans the same when they come to Old Trafford. <laughs> and then they're going to put some of that money towards subsidising the um, cost of the United fans wow. tickets, which if, I think it's a good, well, but, is good. It's a good retort. But in all of this, fans are, out of are body, losing out. Yeah. And rich people are making more money. Ooh, I know, it's like, just yeah. gross. 102. Like, 102- I just think
0: it's, you get it's paid crazy. a million quid per game for being in the Champions League yeah. quarter final. Just let them go for free.
2: Like this, does my head in. It does my head in in football in all sides of the world. And I, I think you know when teams struggle for fans. I'm not including Man United and and, mm-hmm. and Barcelona here, but when teams struggle for fans and ticket prices are uh, fifty pounds or eighty dollars, you just think you, you guys have missed the point. You you don't create a fan base
0: that's willing to pay that by not having fans of the game yeah no it's ridiculous um, on a lighter note I've got a good name for you Jeff. I came across this week ok um, he's a Dutch footballer who plays right back his first name is Jiz. <laughs> oh S- surname Hornkamp <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a bit special now can
1: I ask John did it, you come across this guy on Football Manager
0: by any chance uh, no I didn't would okay, you I really, say I listened to a rival podcast and he came up he's a right back who plays for Holland um, I don't think he's got Jizz into Jizz Horn Camp you'd say are going through a sticky patch <laughs> Like that is <laughs> yeah. actually his name his name wow. is actually Jizz Horn Camp which is brilliant um, on that note is it time for end feature yeah we've got a song Jeff.
1: Well, what happened to my ode to Gareth Southgate to the tune of Atomic Kingdom oh sorry didn't you learn how to play the guitar
2: this week uh. in a week Rog <laughs> we'll, we'll play your own fucking songs
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't do
0: requests <laughs> Um didn't like the heckle. you would have, have to tune it first. Last week's end feature, Jeff surprisingly lost for betting on San Marino. Um, do, you, do you know how
2: excited I was on Friday morning? When I woke up, I was like, oh, I've got to check the San Marino score. i like, trying to feed my child. me! Like, oh, it wasn't on the BBC. And I, I, I had to, I had to independently
0: digging. source that San Marino lost 5-0. To Cyprus. Um... And Roger you lost because you bet on Holland to beat Germany, which didn't happen. Cracking game, though. It was a very good game. Gnabry um, was goal. Unreal. But the important news is that I won my bet. Because uh, I bet on England to win minus is. one versus Czech Republic. And Belgium to win, and they beat over two and a half goals in the game. So that's great. Um, Jeff, what you got this week? We're all thrilled for you, John. Oh, it's, I'm glad.
2: I've gone a bit normal this week because oh. I feel like there's only eight games to go, so I really need to just get back into credit. Well, your theory
0: um, last week was there's only eight games to go. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet on San Marino. No, that <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work. No, that's true.
2: Um, I think Wolves are going to beat Burnley. Yeah. Okay. I think that's I've said that, um, and I think City are going to beat Fulham. I've put that at minus two, and that's paying four dollars eighty. Nice. Mm. Four eighty. Is not that normal? It's such a normal that bet. That is a very normal. I'm so bet.
0: sorry, um, but I don't think Wolves are going to beat Burnley. But um,
1: yeah, I've gone the other way. Oh really? Was. I've got Burnley to beat Wolves, Roger, uh, and I've also got Southampton to beat Brighton and over one and a half goals, and it's paying fourteen dollars fifty. Yours is wow. better than mine. That's a big bet. It's a big bet. Um, I
0: shockingly gone quite similar oh Mm. you too this is fucking ridiculous why don't you just cuddle (laughs) (laughs) Um, Burnley to beat Wolves
1: Uh, uh. Wolves Um, struggle against the smaller teams yeah exactly no one wants to hear your group (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: but then I put Brighton Southampton to be a draw because um, they've drawn their last four games what in a row. What is this?
2: Why does this happen every week? You literally had this. Was it
0: last week or the week before? You had exactly, exactly the, the same, same bet yeah.
2: for the whole of the footballing world, and yet you you both get you like moths on a
0: cupcake. But we we
1: picked different uh, results. Same and that's game. Paying Nine dollars
0: ninety mine. So uh, I reckon mine's way better than yours. Come
1: on, which. Burnley and Southampton. We can't all win. Yeah, we can't we all win. be winners.
0: <laughs> It's two-legged tie. <laughs> it's
2: like tying up two legs. It's weird, isn't it? It's like oh, okay. SMM. Quick. Dude. Someone get us um, out has of Has anyone them.
1: got anything
0: before we go? No? Thanks for listening, no. everyone. Uh, we will be back next week. As always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com um, or find us on social media or check out the website at footballshed.com. And don't forget to leave us a review and tell your mates and we'll be back next week. Thanks, oh, no, everyone.
2: I did have one thing. What's that? I did have one thing. <laughs> so this week, uh, I was looking on our on our pod stuff, you know, on the yeah. internet stuff. It yeah. keeps, keeps records of this stuff. Yeah. And someone had downloaded our back catalogue, yeah. which makes me think that they have in their possession the episode where we did call... Gareth Southgate, a diarrhea inducing bar of chocolate. And I thought what a great weekend that, that
0: blokes had to, to listen to us just rip it into Gareth Southgate for a week. Yeah. And then have to eat humble pie. Yeah. I um do you know I genuinely had a look for that to see if I could find it and it took too long. I was just like, I'm bored of this. <laughs> it's not on iTunes. It is there somewhere? It's not. I looked. Well, we'll find out by next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Um